Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Alan Cumming, and welcome to my shelves. My shelves are sort of a museum of my life. I like to keep things from my travels that are, to me anyway, the very essence of the experiences I've had. Sort of portals, if you will, to a specific time and place. And the inspiration for stories and memories and musings. Here's one of my favourite pictures. I found it in the attic of a flat I used to live in in London. And what it is, is a sort of a sepia sketch of a little boy scout, a little sort of camp little boy scout who's got his hand on his hip and one leg kind of at a jaunty, you know, slightly showgirl kind of angle. And um, he's looking over his shoulder and over his shoulder, touching his shoulder, is Jesus for some reason. (laughs) I have no idea either. And today I'm talking to Carla Gugino. Do you remember the, the, the night when we were rapping? And they had thought that we were going to wrap early enough for you, you to mean, get on that plane. The night when we slept together, yes. Carla. Is that what you're talking <laughs> <Yes>. about? Welcome, <laughs> bienvenue. Welcome. Carla Gugino is one of those actors who has been in absolutely blooming everything. Films like American Gangster, A Night at the Museum, Watchmen, Sin City, Snake Eyes, TV series like Entourage, Jet, The Haunting of Hill House. You name it, Carla has been in it. And she's also graced the stage many times too. She's just also one of the loveliest, cleverest, funniest, sexiest people you're ever likely to meet. And we, in fact, met over 20 years ago when she played Ingrid Cortez, a.k.a. the mum in Spy Kids, in which I was Mr. Fegan Floop. And it's actually an item relating to Spy Kids that I've taken down from my shelf to talk to Carla about today. Carla. Yes. I have in front of me this uh, sort of little plastic blue and black and red little camera with a little thing you pull out. And it was a thing that you got when you bought a Happy Meal. I'm sure you didn't go to McDonald's and do that Uh buy a Happy Meal. (laughs) Neither did I, but I somehow got the merch uh, from Spy Kids, the the little sort of spy things that kids got when Spy Kids came out. Uh, do you remember those? That I, I really, I actually loved them. I loved all the toys. Totally. I also think it was a moment like before. Um, now there's sort of toys attached to so many movies, and they're they're so kind yeah. of high tech. And there's something that was there's something that that was sort of reflective of the way we made that movie too, right? Because remember we were yeah. in Austin. I felt like nobody was paying attention to us. Like Robert was kind of just Robert. Rodriguez was just getting left to do on his, his thing. own devices. Yeah, sort of retro as well. Sort of a retro kind of uh, thing because like I think the thing about Spy Kids was that there's no guns in it there's no it's kind of got a magical quality to it like an old-fashioned sort of 
magical sure. thing. And it hasn't hasn't dated as well. That's what's really interesting about I it know, as a film. I know, it's fascinating. I mean, I really do feel like there are... I think it's also one of those family movies that are... Um, first of all, it's just really well made. But also, I don't know about you, but I'm sure it's the same, which is that people come up all the time and they're like, thank God, I, I mean my kid wanted to watch you know they i've watched the movie like yeah. 900 times <laughs> yes, and i didn't want yes. to commit harry curry you know what i mean like i actually yes, like yeah. could survive it <laughs> i know i see kids people say i saw your film four times this weekend like yeah. that. but they're not it's not like they want to kill you they're just sort of slightly woozy but you know what i think's really interesting about the way that people r- react to that film is that it's did you did you notice that I I found a, I noticed the change in how young people like young adults how they reacted to me because all of a sudden you were meeting people who as adults but you had been a part of their childhood in some sort of magical way because it's it's got a very magical sort of fairy tale absolutely uh, quality to it and it's a lovely thing I think to, for, for, that you're a part of that that of people's childhoods in that way no I think so too I think it's something like it you know as we know we can pick those films that like formed us on some level but I think mm. that it, it really is the the innocence and I think that's one of the kind of amazing things about yeah. Robert Rodriguez right is that like he is obviously a super skilled filmmaker but he is a kid in so many levels in such a beautiful way and there was this wonderful kind of um even in the way that the casting happened, all of it felt so, um, like you said, this kind of magical, very not jaded in any way. And and the yeah. fact that the kids are the heroes in it, you know? Yes, yes, exactly. And also, they were such darling kids as well, because the two of them were both very, they were both very innocent as well. Um, I remember this hilarious conversation with Daryl, the little boy. Uh-huh. And actually, like a, a few years ago, I met him out in a bar. And he's a big grown-up now, obviously, and he yeah. goes out with that <laughs> pop star, um, Megan Trainer, I think. Oh. I think his girlfriend's Megan okay. Trainer. gotcha. You know, he's obviously this man. Right. So he had this really lovely conversation. I was telling him that one of my <laughs> strongest memories is one day we were sort of doing doing a scene together, and uh, and he's like, what would he be, like eight or nine yeah. or something at the time? Yeah. And uh, he, all of a sudden, he went, what do you think happens to your uh, body when you die and I was like oh um, well and he goes do you think it goes to heaven and I goes uh, well no I said I don't actually believe in heaven I, I, I'm what you call an atheist and I don't believe in that but I believe it's sort of you know what you leave behind is how you've behaved and the message you put out and the energy you've done and I did all that whole thing and I went and I went what do you think and he went well you die and then two weeks later your soul goes to heaven and I was like, why two weeks? He went, that's just the time it takes. <laughs> it was amazing in terms of Daryl and his twin brother, Evan, you know, who was not an identical twin, um, but who yes. I had worked with before um, on this oh. on this movie called Season for Miracles. And it was, um, it was a Christmas movie uh, for Lifetime that was like um, one of those, you know, uh, Laura Dern played my sister in it and it was Kathy Baker. And anyway, it's this very sweet Christmas movie. What was crazy about this, though, was that at that time I was 
um, working on Chicago Hope and I played this neurosurgeon and I was doing all this oh, yeah. medical jargon and I was, you know, it was just maddening in that level, even though I had a great time with the, the people I was working with, but I really had like mad respect after that oh, for people who do this Must be a nightmare shows. for all this. Yeah. Oh, like my Juliana gosh. and the ER. I know. Can you imagine? I know. I, oh. And that, yeah. And then as you've done a lot of lawyers speak too, which I feel like is, is oh. both of you guys, which well, is similar. Well, I didn't know. In a good way, I didn't have to do the lawyer speak. I was in the political side. I'd hardly ever had to do all that. I got off so lightly but she totally. I was like what are you are you a masochist you do like seven years as a I nurse and spout things about you know or hemoglobin and things and now you're a lawyer talking about all these crazy no it is fiduciary so things oh but, by the way I nuts. love her book that's just a side note I just want to say I isn't it book. great it's I so thought great. it was so beautiful yeah I agree and beautiful actually and- really r- written like her acting like v- with great sort of precision but kindness i mean she tells you some pretty brutal things but she never she tells you what you want tells you what she wants you to hear but she doesn't sort of uh broadcast it or make it sort of too damning i thought it was really really well written i I agree with you I, i i couldn't agree more on all those counts um but yeah, so basically I get this call saying, this is very pertinent to the kids and the magic because I get this call uh, saying Robert Rodriguez wants to meet you uh, to possibly play the mother and spy kids. By the way, I'm 27 years old at the time. And uh, I, and, and so, you uh, yeah. And so I had never been on any of the lists because I was way too young and, and um, Kelly Preston was going to play that role and she got pregnant. <sighs> And, oh, and so yes. they were recasting it and they had already started filming with Antonio. And, um, so oh, the whole roundabout yes, thing is that it was, Kelly Preston, who, who, uh, was, um, was married to John Travolta. Yes. And, um, yes. And who has since passed away. May she rest yes. in What a terrible, um, awful. Yeah. Situation. And, um, what a so, wonderful so, lady, yeah, she got, but, but yeah, yeah she, she was a hoot. Totally. And so he was recasting um, and uh, it was all happening very quickly. So from the moment I got that phone call to the moment that I was on set and Erman, our lovely hair and makeup person, was literally dyeing my hair red, was about four days. Um, Oh, my God. It was so crazy. But the whole point is that Robert said to me, you were on none of the lists. Mary Vernou, you know, had been casting it and because you were way too young. But one day I was sitting in my trailer and I get a knock on the door and Evan and Daryl appear um, because Evan was there, you know, with his mom and Daryl was filming. Yeah. And they handed him a videotape of Season for Miracles because Evan had loved, you know, we had loved working with each other so much. And they said... This is who we want to be the mom. That's what? how. That's how I got, like. That's basically how I got the job. And so then, I mean, I then went and, and like had a little screen test thing with Robert. But basically, he oh said, and God. Robert said, I was watching it and thinking, well, she's far too young. And then I watched the interview at the. And you know, Robert can be a little ADD. So the fact that he got through the whole movie and then the interview, I was very impressed. <laughs> and he and he literally said, you know, he got to the end and he said, I watched you in the interview and there was this kind of maturity in you that I thought, you know what, I think we can get away with it. And the funny thing is no one ever questioned that I had been a spy for 10 years and then had two kids that were like eight and 10 and I was 27. <laughs> it's movies. It's the movies, Carla. Right? Nobody notices. Illusion. Oh, I love that. That's so so little Daryl and his yeah. brother got you the job. Yeah. Aw, what a cutie. I know. 
Do you know another thing I was thinking about this object that when I first saw this little camera thing, yeah, I went in uh, and Stephen Huvane was my publicist at the time. Yeah. And like when we made Spy Kids, you know, it was a big sort of film. It was a, you know, but, but I don't think any of us thought it was going to be this blockbuster. It was just a, no. a nice film. It Absolutely. didn't, it was in Texas. It was away from sort of the usual sort of studio structure and everything. Um, we just made this nice kids film and we had a great time and everyone was lovely. And uh, and then it uh, they it must have sort of you know over the over the course of it being edited and before it came out they must have realised they had a big hit on their hands so they started to sort of railroad all these promotional and publicity things and, it, and so I was sort of brought into the dimension which is was a a, a, a branch of uh, the Miramax yeah. who made the film their offices to talk about press and. And to, and and I I was I was given a sort of a, a viewing of all the merch and it was um, Bob Weinstein who was the head of Dimension yep. Harvey's yep. brother Bob was there so it was me and Stephen my publicist and was he your publicist he too? was my publicist too yes an amazing How funny. publicist small I know. world I, know. I love him love, I love him I love him too so um, much such a darling. Uh, so <laughs> we went in for this meeting and there you know, had on the table all the different things and there was all sorts of, you know, it was like a carton of orange juice, my face on the back. And it was all these exciting things. And then it was all the, the Happy Meals and everything, all the little toys. And of course, you know, he goes, here's all the things. And he was talking away and we we're looking at all these things and picking them up and going, oh, look at this, a little radio. Oh, look at this. And he got pissed off that we weren't paying attention. So, and he went, Alan, like that, really? <laughs> He sort of shouted at me and we both like Steve and I both sort of sat up and I was like, oh, my God, I'm getting into trouble for looking at the merch that he's shown me. It was crazy. That is really bonkers. That is bonkers. And then and then and then I remember, you know, when it came out, it was just suddenly this huge thing. I remember actually there's a there's a on, on Central Park West. Uh, I can't remember what, what it is where you walk into the park, but I was, I don't know where I was, I was uptown doing something and it was the weekend that Spy Kids came out and I distinctly remember walking across the street into Central Park and people with kids going, look, it's Mr. Floop, it's Mr. Floop. And that was the, that was sort of the start of, yeah. a, since then, actually, I, 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 you know, Floop is this sort of, not every day, but like, it, regularly I uh, get floop lines shouted at me or quoted at me on uh, Instagram or Twitter or something and floop was also it's crazy just, yeah such a um, I know it's funny you just never know the ones that will stick you know mm-hmm. uh, character wise that we play because we kind of come in and you know bring these people to life and then move on with our lives and then you realize oh there's some that just somehow hit this zeitgeist sort of moment and like you said yeah. over time they still like young kids now still really enjoy spy kids so much and but floop also you really did like um he's such a unique character he was i mean written as such but the way that you brought him to life it's like it is true that it's very hard to kind of like think of you know I mean, there are like elements because of the magical quality of like Willy Wonka or different like, but he's, he's very unique. And I I love the, I love the sort of, I guess that is like Willy Wonka too, that sort of, um, you know, you think he's a baddie. Yeah. He starts off as a baddie, but actually you realise he was, I I played quite a lot of parts. I love parts like that, that you think are baddies. So you get to do, totally. And then, and then you realise they were just there. Be, oh well, they've been manipulated, or they're just misunderstood, and yeah. they turn out to be a goodie in the end. I love things like that.
do you remember the 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 night when we were rapping and they had thought that we were going to rap early enough for you, you to mean get on that plane. The night when we slept together, yes. Carla. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I was wondering when you were going to bring that, that up. <laughs> I thought it would be strange to not mention that in this conversation. No, I was about to. So Carla and I have slept together, uh, ladies true. and gentlemen, it's and true. those who don't define us either. But uh, not in the way that you might think. Because what happened was we, we, we both rapped on the film. The film hadn't finished, but we were finished. And so we went out and had quite a few margaritas. Yes. Uh, the best margaritas and, in Austin, uh, Texas, by the way. Oh, There's delicious. just somehow they put something uh, magic in them. I love, I just thought, I, I loved the food and everything in Austin. It was so great. I just, it's so funny, you know, when I first, I was so excited to do this film. I met with Robert and he told me about it and I, you know, and then I was offered it and I was just, whoa, how exciting. And I kept, I would say, and I, it was early on in my days in, in America and I'd only really been in New York and LA. And so to go to Texas, I was really excited. So I would say to people, oh, I'm going to make a film in Texas. And they're like, oh, <laughs> oh, really? I was like, what do you mean? And they went, where in Texas? And I went, Austin. And they go, oh. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like <laughs> the best of a bad bunch kind well, of thing they were I, saying. And yeah, it's that thing of being a blue place in the middle of the red really makes it have to define itself, right? Like it's so yes. uh, kind of like consciously progressive and you know, the whole yes. sort of sentiment of keep Austin weird, you know? Yes, um, I love that. That's their, yeah. that's their catchphrase, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. And and I loved all, I love so much music, uh, just playing it, live music. It's the live music capital of America or something, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, in, it's So gorgeous. But yes, um, so but, we had had many uh, margaritas. Yes, that's right. They were sleeping together. How could I forget? So we, <laughs> yes, and we go back to the hotel, or I, I get dropped off at my hotel and I'm going to just, you know... Uh, uh, oh, no, I, t- I think what it was was that I thought I was going to get to leave that well, state, go straight was. to the yes. airport. And you would yes, let go yes. of your hotel room and we thought we would get your hotel room back and, you know, say goodnight and, and uh, salute. And then they were like, we have no hotel rooms left. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, that was a, and then everyone had gone home. I think they thought they'd thought they'd arranged it, but actually hadn't gone through. And so we were like, oh, and it was just you and me, I remember. And, yeah. and we were like, and you said, well, I guess maybe you could just come and. Um, sleep in my room. I was like, oh, are you sure, Carter? And so I end up, <laughs> and I remember you calling, we got into bed, yeah. and I remember you calling Sebastian, your partner, yeah. and I'm thinking, this will be an awkward conversation. <laughs> it was amazing because I remember it was probably about 1.30 in the morning, and you had you had to leave for the airport at like 6, so it made it yeah. just made sense, but it was a, And we a, both had a few. It was, totally. It was also just such a great moment because we were there in our white terry cloth robes, because naturally there were two robes in the room. Um, there were like, we were, we were, we were figuring out toothbrushes. And I remember I was like, you know, this is going to sound so much worse if I tell Sebastian tomorrow. Like it was, you know what I mean? It's going to sound like, well, just so you know, last night, like this is not going to sound good. So then we called him and I called and I was like, I just want you to know. Ellen Cumming is sleeping over, um, but you know, and, and it was just an amazing moment. Like it, it really was one of those incredible um, moments in time. It was hilarious, and also I have to say you're very, very um, respectful likewise. and a very tender lover. Likewise, Carla. likewise, I, 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 one of the mo- one of unforgettable. Were you in the fourth one? No, I was only in the three, the first three. Me, me too. I don't. I don't include the fourth one. I, 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 think, I think it's uh, you know. I, all respect to those in the fourth, but it's you know. I, me, I just, yes, yes, but la la la. It's, it's a different thing. Yes. No, but that I. But it was actually a really lovely thing because I had sort of little parts in the second and third one, but it was like, 
like Thanksgiving or something, it felt like I was going to went to Austin every year for a few days. So all the the old family and checked in with everybody. And it's like a family. I think Robert, Rodriguez, because when I, you know, when I first, you know, said this this film with Robert Rodriguez, I'd seen his more sort of adult, grown up films. Yeah. And I I didn't really um, think it was going to be such a sort of, he's such a, creates a real family atmosphere and lots of people have worked with him on many 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 films like Herman we're talking about Herman Espina is this uh, makeup designer who is uh, it's so funny I every time I anyone asks to do anything to my eyebrows uh, (laughs) I always think of Herman because he when I go he's still you know when I he, he does me for photo shoots and talk shows and things sometimes and he'll you know I'll sit down in the chair and we'll start chatting he goes who has been touching my eyebrows? I, like he's that, really very, curious. Totally, he's very possessive of our faces. I mean, uh, because both you very. and I have been working with him, as have most of the people he works with for so long. Yeah. Because he is so wonderful. You know, he uh, he came down to the, the, the Dominican Republic um, for Leopard Skin for the Lipinid series we just did. And so he right. was with us down there the whole time. But I, d- I said to him, I said, Nobody does a brow like you. Like he just—that's oh. his base it's, for the face, and it's oh my God. amazing. It's just incredible. Like on the poster for Spy Kids, I'm sort of looming at the you know the half of my face yes. looming in the sort of up one side, and it's like basically it's it's my eyebrow. It's like this sculpted eyebrow by our man, and it's really good because he doesn't do like you know some. People try to make you have two girly eyebrows when you're a man. Yes. He does, very, shapes them and gives you a little arch, but doesn't make it look like you're a drag queen. For not, sure. Not there's anything wrong with drag queens. And it's just sort of, I always think, every time I, I remember seeing that, you know, poster on a huge big billboard thinking, a man is a genius. I know. <laughs> Absolute. He really is amazing. You know, I was thinking like back when you're talking about the family nature of it too. Um, yeah. I think, I think it was also... You know, Elizabeth Avion, who was, you know, Robert Mm. and and Elizabeth were married at the time and she was producing and they had their kids around. Like it just definitely was it was very authentic what was happening behind the camera. And I feel like you feel that in front of the camera, even to the point where I don't know if you remember, but uh, Chris Nashawadi who's a really good journalist, who at the time was the editor of Entertainment Weekly, he came down, I just remember, and again, I think it was like Austin's just a magnet for good vibes, but I remember he came down and, you know, it was, er I had been acting for a long time, but it was early enough in my career in terms of like doing major interviews and things like that, that felt, you know, I didn't know if I'd be a little nervous or yeah, like what, and I just remember him coming and sort of being, a, uh, you know, in that way that like Pauline Kael was a fan of De Palma's or whatever. Like, I feel like Chris was a yeah. real advocate for, for Robert and, but he came down and it was just, again, it was like, I think we all ended up going out for tacos and talking and he was on set. And it, it even that felt like, I don't know, like once you were enveloped like, in the yes, world of that, you, yeah. It wasn't the normal sort of rules and separation of yeah, Hollywoody stuff. Yeah. Really interesting. Now, I know it's true. And also that um, there's that festival in Austin, South by Southwest. Yeah. And it's a bit like that too. I mean, it's a it's an industry thing. It's a big film festival and and there's also a music thing. Uh, but I, 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 I felt, I've been there a couple of times with films and it feels really nice. You know, those film festivals where it doesn't feel too much like you're just selling your wares. Yeah, exactly. Hello. 
Hello and welcome to Out to Lunch with me, Jay Rayner, the podcast in which I take a particularly brilliant famous person to a top restaurant and grill them to a turn. In this latest season, you'll find me having delicious dinners with the likes of Patrick Keelty, David Hare, Nina Conti, Dame Eileen Atkins and Mary Beard and the reliably outrageous Miriam Margulies. Richard E. Grant was on that. He has a, a, an always compulsion to smell whatever's around him. Has he never come and sniffed you? <laughs> Probably wisely, no. <laughs> All that and so much more. So do join me, Out to Lunch with Jay Rayner, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. What about the short film that we did? I was just going to come to that. So tell us about that, Carla. It was a it was a virtual reality well, film. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel sort of is, is slightly in the dark about it as well because it was kind of an experiment that that didn't really like. I feel like they thought that that um, technology was just going to was going to probably move at the speed that, for example, you know, digital video has. Yeah, and I think still it, hasn't, it, really, it, hasn't. it really hasn't. And it was very cool to get the opportunity for, you know, it's always, I love working with you always. And that was a really it fun is. and weird thing. But how do we even explain it? It looks like a, uh, it's like, it's a ton of different lenses that are set up almost like in a globe-like um, it's like one of those things now you have all the time for air filters in a room. You know yeah. those things where you walk in. It's like that. For, it's it's sort of like a weird meets a phallic disco ball. sort of totem pole. Right. Th- yes, also but yes. meets like a disco ball. And yes, and it and it films in a way in which I think that's the thing is that it, it was not conducive to anything organic in terms of storytelling. It's not to say that I'm sure for certain things no. it couldn't work. But um, well, I think for like for video games and those kind of films for sure. that you want to be immersed in that world but for for other things it doesn't you know as a as a director you can't tell your story because the person moves their head and they're looking at yes something else in the room you know it's sort of an interesting thing virtual reality i i, I and and what was hilarious what I, the thing i loved about it was that you are in a room and you're just acting and everyone has to, had to run away and you've just got this strange sort of air air filter <laughs> totally. machine disco ball in the room with you and, and it's kind of you're a bit scared of it and uh and everyone like they clap all the things and do all things then everyone bolts from the room and closes all the doors yeah i like that part of it but what was so hilarious about that was that there was that lovely girl uh who yes played uh, the other it was you and me and her what was her name she's lovely she's so and lovely i n- never met her i had to like you know basically a couple of hours after knowing her i was like um making out with her and licking her boobs yeah <laughs> showbiz 
just another That's day at the office. Is. That is <laughs> That's what I had to do. And then, and then I thought I'd shot you, hadn't I? As yes. well in this little thing. Yes. But no, it was it actually was... a ruse. You two were like making a, we you were kind of in, um, in on doing it. a scam Together. on me. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting that as we, as we were realizing, as I realized my age from Spy Kids, it's amazing to know that we have known each other as long as we have and that, it's just 20 very strange. years, it's 21 just, years. Yeah. It's just very strange when you start to get to the moment where you realize that you've known someone for like nearing half of your life. Do you know what I mean? It's nuts, isn't it? It's, it's absolutely nuts. It's I just know. so crazy. Um, it, it, it really is. And I, I, I find the whole concept of, well, aging in, ge- in general, I love it. I love being older. I love sort of the wisdom you get and the love sort of, I love actually feeling like sort of, you know, old enough to be someone's father and still being and being able to relate to them on different levels like you know yeah. different you really can relate as a a peer but also as a as a dad and and and, and I, I think that's a really lovely thing to have those options for sure but also it's like fucking nuts no it's like. so nuts it's so nuts <laughs> i always think this about you carla you've been in absolutely everything like you're I think I work a lot. You work absolutely constantly. And also, you know, you've worked with these, like we're talking about Brian De Palma, you've worked with those amazing directors. And now of late, you, you've you done so many projects with Sebastian that you have made yourself. And I really admire that too. I think it's such mm. a great thing. But you've, you, you, I mean, you have such a body of work. Well, thank you. I mean, right back at you. And it is it is interesting, right, to I feel like for a while um, early on, it was like a kind of a conscious choice that I didn't want to become known for only one character in that way. By the way, a bunch of incredible movie stars are that and we all love to go watch them do that. But then it's hard to believe them in other roles, you know. And uh, so I always wanted to be a transformational actor and all those things. And and I think I really confused people for a long time. Not other actors, of course, because we all are of the same, you know, like we understand that. But but in terms of people going, what kind of a person is this? Yeah, like, oh, she was the mom in Spy Kids, but the lesbian parole officer in Sin City and the, you know, like like things that they couldn't understand. You don't... And I think, confuse them. yeah, finally, uh, which I appreciate uh, you using the term, but I think finally it's being recognized as a body of work. <laughs> it took a long time, yeah. but, um, but I, I, but also I, it seems like you're, you're sort of like more like a European actor. Cause I always think there's this uh, difference between, uh, it's a huge sweeping generalization, of course, but between American actors and European actors in, in, in their essence, in the, in, in America, people are more likely to play just versions of themselves Mm -hmm. of their how they look and sound and sometimes many of their personality traits it's sort of like you know we want i think you know uh, americans want to see like you say we want to see it's a it's a julia roberts film we we know what that means we love her we want to go and see her do that tom cruise that's that sort of obviously those are the bigger examples but that sort of filters down into a lot of the other uh people in the business Whereas I think in Europe, it's more understood and people appreciate it. Like movie stars in Europe are more likely to be people who play lots of different roles, different types of roles. And I think that, that, you know, actors are seen as people who play lots of different things rather than just kind of the same type all the time. I I think you're And I think you fit into that European sort of model. I I really appreciate that. Um, Those are, you know, so many of the... the, No, but that's always, you know, the European movies are, for the most part, have been my 
kind of aesthetic and the thing that I've aspired to from at, at such a young age. I mean, even though it was Meryl Streep that I guess really made me want to act. But I was thinking, well, metal is the oh, metal's the big I mean, sort of I know, fly I, in the ointment. I, I'm the only in that one. Theory. Who, yeah, exactly. Um, who feels that way? Um, no, it's it's. Uh, but I was thinking, you know, I think it, you're right about European. I think it's also theater, actually, which is worth making note yeah. since you and I both do both. Which is that it was interesting because I came at theater later, right? Like the first play I did right, yeah. on Broadway was After the Fall, and After I the was fall, the, the uh, Arthur Miller. Um, Arthur Miller, yeah, yes, that's and I was so good. Thirty-two, you know, and and I think that. Well, that was your first play ever. No, I had done Of Mice and Men. I had done different things in smaller, you know, in school. And, and then in like, I did um, Of Mice and Men at the Jiva Theater in Rochester, New York. And But my first right. play on Broadway was when I was 32. Right. And then it's become, you know, a big part of my life. But yes. that was a really interesting discovery. And I think it's to your point, which is that coming from L.A. as a film and television actress starting when I was 13... Uh, it was, wow. I felt like the anomaly trying to, um, and I'm not saying that I necessarily was the anomaly because of course there were other actors who were wanting that, but everybody wanted to be Cameron Diaz or wanted to be, a, a, again, mm. a person who was kind of known. Um, I think Drew Barrymore at that moment was also sort of like, it's not to say that they don't play different roles, of course, but they have this sort of iconic um, personality yeah. that was being capitalized on. And, and, that, um, and that's, I guess, what m- m- old fashioned movie stars yeah. Where? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so so as that was changing, it was I think that's why I felt so at home when I got to the stage because I realized, oh, no, being absolutely disappearing into a role is a very natural thing on the stage. Um Yes. And yes. and so I think that you're right that because now, I mean, I think a lot of film directors it, still, even in Hollywood, I think there's a certain thing of they're afraid to rehearse because they're going to rehearse it out of you. And you're like, wait a minute. No, no, no. no. Uh, if yeah. you're actually a skilled actor, like rehearsal will only help everybody to, to go I deeper, know. you know. But I think that goes back to your thing of playing yourself. So if you're kind of playing yourself, yeah. what you're trying yeah. to get is something fresh and new within that. And that's a different right. thing than then actually yeah. but it's it's sort of that i think that's the thing i you know learned pretty quickly in 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 film especially films in america is that you have to come to the set having made all the well pretty much all the decisions yeah. that you uh, need to make about your character because you can't rely on having the time or necessarily someone who's enge- willing to engage with you in those things. They'll only probably tell you if they don't like it. Yeah, exactly. As, a, as a directors. And uh, so that you've got to, you have to like really do all your work before you come. And actually, I quite like that in certain cases, but it's, you can tell when some people are new and they don't realize that. You think, you poor darling. Totally. You, know, you don't get to do that. You don't get to rehearse. You don't get to have the time to muck about. You can do a few, especially on TV, you know, it's just boom, bang it out. For sure. And I think, yeah, and, and I, I guess think, that's the skill that becomes the skill. And that's what I was going to say is I think that's what's so cool about getting to do all of it. I always feel so fortunate because I think that when I get to hone one of those skills and one of the mediums, it always helps me going back to the other. You know, they are totally they, they really do help kind of like, I don't know, like, I guess it's like doing exercises where you're, you know, playing the guitar, which I wish I did. But, you know, where you're doing one thing with one hand <laughs> and one with the other, you can. Yeah. Uh, you and then you're fresher and you're less jaded and you're more enthusiastic. I, I feel like sure. all the different weird things I do. People, you know, uh, I think that some people think, gosh, she's so weird and eclectic and such a sort of it's, it's almost like you've got sort of work ADD. You know, you can't really focus on 
one thing for too long. And I think that's absolutely true. But what it does mean is that when you come, when you go to the next thing, it's not just another thing of the same thing that you've been doing for ages. It's a whole new yeah. genre or even medium that you're working in. Or, or it could oh. be, you know, you're writing instead of acting or I'm no, exactly. singing or whatever, or, or the, all the crazy things I do. I do have to say on that note, just before we, because I know that we will be going soon, but I want to say, are you going to perform at the Carlisle again? Because remember when Juliana and Keith, Juliana Margulies and her husband, and Sebastian yes. and I came, and, yes. um, and we brought my goddaughter, Ava. Fun... Um, that's right. Oh, that's right. And, yeah. and it was such, such an cutie. amazing night. She, by the way, uh, just, she's, you know, going to be, she's 22. She just sold her first novel to HarperCollins. Oh my God. Ava Bellows, really? everyone. Just wait. Yes. Isn't that incredible? Um, yes. She's amazing, but she's a huge fan of yours. And, and But that was such a special, special night oh. and you were extraordinary as you are. And um, But do you think, do you think you're, you're going to get that in New York again I, th- I, I might do, because you know, like I'm going, it's so interesting, you know, the, the Café Carlyle, for people who don't know, is this tiny little room. It's like about 100 people all sitting at dinner. It's like dinner theatre. Yeah, it's like the height <laughs> of this, dinner theatre. <laughs> yeah, it's like posh dinner theatre in the Carlisle Hotel, which is a swanky, iconic hotel in the Upper East Side of New York City. And um, but what is incredible is that room has it's it's got these amazing this amazing mural. It, so many incredible performers have yeah. have played there. I mean, it's just the list is in, insane, and it's 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 such an honour to be in that. Even though you think, oh, shut up, put down your, you know, put down your bread roll and your, and yeah. like you're literally. <laughs> I, I remember, I, actually, I recorded uh, my album, uh, Alan Cummings Sings Happy Songs. Was I went back to the Carlisle and did it live there because, well, the reason is because I took in a picture. This photographer took a picture of me with these two dancers naked outside of the Carlisle one night at two o'clock in the morning for his book of dancers <laughs> naked in New York City. And I loved the picture so much that I put that, I wanted that to be the cover of the album. So I had to go back to the Carlisle to record the right. album there. It's a little little circuitous but yeah but um uh the, in on the night when i recorded the album like someone brought i thought it was a baked potato this lady had it was it was like half of her steak and so there's me a vegan like i just had to stop and say what the hell is that <laughs> this massive lump of meat and it was on as you'd eaten half of it so it's kind of like it's so close on you and yes uh, people are right up there but actually it's such an incredible room. You just feel the ghosts of all these people. And you really do. I, I've I've um, done the last couple of shows there. So this new one I'm doing, Alan Cummings, Not Acting His Age, I guess, because actually there's not really that many places that you can perform in New York City for that sort of, it's not like a big concert and it's not, you know, it, there's few, it's fewer and fewer of those sort of small venues. Like what right. I did last time, which I would not recommend. It sounds like a great idea. Like I, one of my best ideas, but it was actually a nightmare, was I I did an 8.30 show at the Café Carlisle in the swanky uptown Washington Posh room of this iconic place. And then we all, me and my band, all like zoomed down to the, to the downtown, to the East Village and did a midnight show at Joe's Pub, which is like a very, you know, much more kind of downtown affordable. Right. So my friends could see it, basically. Totally. <laughs> and uh, and that was, but that was like two shows a night for two weeks. Wow. We were absolutely whacked. That but, is uh, actually crazy. But yes, amazing. it was nuts. But it's a good, I mean, I was like, because I'm an uptown, downtown, exactly. you know, uptown boy yeah. living in the downtown world and all that stuff. So it was great. And, and one time we... Uh, we're down the subway and we busked on the, we sang a song on the 
on the six train. But of course, we just happened to be a film crew with us, and we did that because we didn't normally take the subway downtown. We usually got cars, but we did it one time, and it was such fun. That's amazing. Uh, you know, performing on the thing. But yeah, I'm hoping to do that again. But uh, I, I'm just uh, the focus now is to just get the show together and open it here in Australia. You know, yeah. it's that that thing we're about to open. And it's funny when it's a show like this of your own. Where there's no director, there's no. I'm writing it. I'm. I just have to like. You know, the first time I'll do it in front of people will be the f- opening of it. Wow! And That's so cool. yeah, it's a really. It's uh, it's uh, terrifying. I think it's a good note to to end on. Even is just to say, you know, I think that it's really important to put yourself in positions where you don't know if you can actually pull it off like for real like oh, you really totally yeah the fear of failure is what makes you keeps you going it keeps, keeps you and, sort of striving and, yeah and, and reaching I, exactly I, I, and reaching for yeah. something that is bigger than your little self yeah. somehow <laughs> every now and then you can't do it all the time because no. you just it would be too exhausting <laughs> but once in a while you yeah have to, I mean I, I see that in my life there's definitely things I think oh what am I doing what am I doing why am I doing this Oh, here we go. I did it. Yeah, And it's exactly. such a great... And then once you've done it, you think, what was all the trouble for? Why was I so worried? But actually, it's really good to... Fear can be a very incentivizing thing in certain, in certain, in certain artistic endeavors. Yeah, it has to, yeah. you have to have that large intention because it's not about yeah. just scaring yourself, but it's about going, oh, no. this is something that counts for me. And just exactly. Push, it's like being nervous. Zone. I think it's... Uh, that thing, the thing about, I always say about being nervous is good because it means you care. Yeah, Exactly. And I care about you, Carla. And I <laughs> care about, uh, with, I have great care and great love for our, our experience and for the beautiful night we spent together in Austin. We'll always Likewise. have Austin, Carla. Exactly. <laughs> oh, and thank you for joining me for this uh, trip down memory lane for our, to our, for our little Spy Kids happy meal. Who would have thunk all those years ago that we would be in a McDonald's happy meal I know. when we made that film <laughs> and then talking from either side of the world yeah. 20 years later. Amazing. So thanks for doing this. I love you and send my love to Sebastian. Love you so much. And I'll much. see you when I get back. I can't wait. Bye, honey. And thank you too, everybody, dear listeners out there in the dark, for tuning in to Alan Cumming Shelves. Join me next time for more fun and frolics. Alan Cumming Shelves is hosted by me, Alan Cumming, duh, and produced by the lovely Jack Claremont. We are part of the ACAS Creator Network and the Crowd Network too. We just love networks. Another Crowd Network podcast to check out is... Unaccountable. It's a podcast fighting for police accountability in the United States. It's a podcast that tells the stories of innocent people who've been killed by the police, just like George Floyd, but also people like Mohammed Muhaimin, Shacey House and Carrie Illidge. And so many more you haven't heard about, but you really should have. The stories can be difficult to listen to, but this could be the most important podcast you'll ever hear. It's a podcast fighting for change, and we need to join that fight. Just search for Unaccountable in your podcast app now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 